American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. This is season three, episode number four. This is your boy Tex Lovin of the Fresno Irons, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the guy whose hair falls in such the perfect way, Liam Bright. How are you this evening, Liam? I like how you're always so excited for me to be on here, and there's going to be one episode where you go and join with me, unfortunately, <laughs> it's <laughs> Liam Bright. And I'm going to go, all right, man, that's more like it. But I do I do appreciate the uh, the compliments of my hair, but that's only because I have such a thick mass on the top of my head, and, and yours is thin like a, like a newborn baby. Um, let's be honest. It's, uh, it's, and it's thinning. <laughs> so it's thinning. It's thin and thinning. So well, it's, it's only because of the stress of being a West Ham fan. So, uh, that, uh, amongst other things. Um, <laughs> but, uh, let's, let's be a hundred percent honest. Uh, Liam, if I looked like you, um, I'd probably wouldn't have been single so long, but, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> you'd be, you'd be beating the girls off with a stick. Uh, at least that's what, that's the fantasy world I'm going to live in here. I like it. I like it. So obviously West Ham United did not have a game last week and uh, obviously went in, into the international break. So we're going to do a little check-in with our international boys. Obviously West Ham United representing a multitude of countries that wear the claret and blue. Um, starting off with their own Declan Rice, who had one hell of a game for England. Um, even grabbed a cup that was thrown him and uh, took a little sip out of it. Little after, his, up- after his goal, that's right. Yeah, a little upset with him for doing that. Don't want him to get COVID. Like, come <laughs> on now, Declan. We got to be smart at this time. But but overall, Declan Rice, a really great performance for England. What would you think of the way he played? Yeah, no, I thought he was solid. Um, you know, and we've talked about this with like Yarmolenko as well, right? Where players come with a certain intensity, uh, when they come up for their country, because you know there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride when it when it comes to that. Um, I think my favorite aspect, though, I mean, beyond Declan grabbing a goal, beyond his you know um, stalwart performance right next to Calvin Phillips, Calvin Calvin Phillips, uh, you know, I, I think that they partnered really well again in midfield as as they do. Um, but my favorite was the memes coming out of Declan drinking the cup. And Harry Kane in the background looking at Declan going, what's that he's holding? Because, you know, Harry Kane's never seen a cup. <laughs> oh, man. Anytime we can poke fun at the Spurs, we love to do that. Uh, Twatnam, obviously, you know, we have to deal with. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but, uh, you know, that England looked good. Um, obviously, they're well on their way to qualifying for another World Cup. Um, we have the checkmates, all three of them in action. And. In one of their matches, they were playing our boy, uh, at least my boy, Yarmolenko <laughs> and the Ukraine. Uh, so uh, in- interesting moment in that game you were telling me about finishes a 1-1 draw, but Crawl, one of our new boys, slid in on a hard tackle on Yarmo and got him hurt. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, the Checkmates, the Czech Republic to me is one of those dark horse teams in the World Cup. You know, they're going to knock off somebody big. They're probably not going to win it but they're going to knock off somebody. What did you get a chance to see the highlights of that game? I did. And I mean, they, they look like they haven't lost any momentum from the euros. I mean, they were a dark horse in the euros. Um, I think with, uh, so and so fall doing so well at West Ham, people are paying more attention, uh, to all players on that team. 
So I would not be surprised if you start seeing more and more of those national team guys get snapped up specifically by Premier League clubs. You know, obviously our hope is that West Ham continues to pad the roster with those uh, those checkmates. Yeah, our new boy was in action and scored one hell of a header on a cross into the box. Velasic scored, and for the life of me, when you're new, I still struggle. I can't remember the country he plays for. I want to say Slovakia, but I know that's yeah. wrong. <laughs> um, so he's Croatian. So yeah, so it was Croatia was the the country that he uh, that he represents. And uh, I mean, watching the highlight because uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to watch the whole game, but watching his highlight for that goal. Um, just another threat in the box, man. Like when you think about it, like you've got guys like Antonio, even Ben Rama, who's super short, was able to get a, a header off in uh, in the other game there. So I mean, we've got tons of threats in the box, and I think with Vlasic, I think this is just another uh, weapon in the in the uh, the arsenal that uh, David Moyes has because this is an arsenal that actually knows how to score points and win games, as opposed to the team arsenal who couldn't fall out of an ugly tree without hitting every branch on the way down. So <laughs> I heard that uh, there was a white substance at their uh, facility. They didn't know what it was. They had shut everything down and they realized it was the goal line and then yes. they brought everybody back. So uh, yeah, anytime we can shit on Arsenal, we're absolutely going to do that. But uh, Velasic looked really good. Um, a, a boy, we didn't even talk about him in our pregame, but you reminded me, Ben Arama uh, did very well for Algeria. Yes. Um, he partnered up with uh, Riyad Mahrez very well. Um, the really cool picture of them floating around on Twitter, if you haven't seen it, um, them kind of uh, walking together, kind of a cool little moment that our boys walk around. Riyad Mahrez is a very, a very skillful player. A lot of people have a lot of respect for him. And, you know, he's partnered right, right alongside him for Algeria. Um, one interesting one I want to point out before we get to the guy that I know you're going to hammer me on. Um, Mikel Antonio, did you see it with Jamaica? Yeah, love with it. Jamaica. Yeah, lo- love that he was there. Uh, not a big fan of the result because that does not help uh, the United States at all. But yeah, Jamaica got thrashed 3 uh, 0 with, without a goal from, from Mikel. So um, yeah, not exactly ideal. Uh, but. You know, at least it's another player that we do have representing, uh, you know, our, uh, our our international units, and this is one that actually features overseas. So how, or you know, over here on our in our neck of the woods. What kind of upsets me about the whole uh, Antonio situation? I don't blame him in no way, shape, or form. Am I upset with him that he's, you know, changed his allegiance to Jamaica? But Garrett Southgate, it it puzzles me that they have not brought him into the fold for the England squad. And the reason why is because that might be the best plan B in the world, bringing on that guy and letting Harry Kane play off him because who is going, I mean, he is, he is the England version of Lukaku. He is incredibly strong and powerful, um, has the ability. We all know that he's not the most talented finisher, but you know, I, I look, I digress, but I can't blame the guy for, for uh, changes leads into Jamaica, it was just kind of cool to see him wearing the green, yellow, and black. Well, and it it's it does beg the question though, right? Like, because uh, Aaron Cresswell has has uh, played for the England squad before. Mark Noble, famously never having been called up uh, at the senior level for for England, but it, it does beg the question, right? With Jesse Lingard, when he was playing out of his shoes for West Ham, doesn't get brought along to the Euros. Now that he's back at Man U. Not seeing any playing time at all, but yet makes it into the squad for World Cup qualifiers. Like, it's got to be big team bias at this point. 
So I don't, like you said, I don't blame Mikel if this gives him international football, especially in the twilight of his career. I mean, bang on, Mickey. Get those goals for Jamaica. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's the one I'm going to get hammered on. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell them how uh, our boy Pablo Fornals did. Fornals. Oh, Pablo Fornals. We've got Fornals. I just don't think you understand. He bangs them in the net. He's better than Payette. Goddamn, we've got four nails. Yep. We'll be singing, we'll be singing that on, uh, was it Saturday? Uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, you know, he gets a goal for Spain, you know, gets called up into the senior squad. Well-deserved. I mean, the guy has been just an absolute rock for West Ham and kicked off the start of the season uh, with the first goal that we had um, uh, at home. I mean, it's just... The the kid has been incredible. Well deserved to have him play in the in the the um, the Spanish national team, and the, it looked like they welcomed him with open arms. And I also wanted to touch on not only does he score the goal, which was a nice little back and forth um, uh, for him, but he's also done interviews where they ask about his time at West Ham, and he has said things like, "I love." Being at West Ham, I want to retire at West Ham. I love when I'm walking in the streets and people make the West Ham sign at me. Uh, and then he sang bubbles in English and Spanish. Like, the dude is East London adopted, absolutely. And I, I will cry the day that he that, the day that he leaves West Ham. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully he never does. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's all in. I love it. I love how you rub in and you just gloat about Pablo Fornell so much because you know – the guy on the other end of this microphone shit on that guy for way too long. And I'm eating it now. I, I am, I am a man. I am humble. I have made mistakes. <laughs> this player absolutely was way better than I ever anticipated him to be. And all I can really say about his performance in that Spanish game is it was yet another reason why I need to keep my mouth shut when I talk about Pablo Fornals because <laughs> Absolutely, Pablo Fornals, who could have been an alternate, you know, stunt double character for Orlando Bloom in any of the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean movie, um, has really proven to me that his Pirates of the Caribbean looking ass might be arguably an outside contender for Hammer of the Year. Yeah, I mean, he oh, is. Yeah. He's already in the track right now of of definitely being in the top three on that race, and he's a player that I didn't anticipate on, but. He has turned into a guy that I think is the second, third name on the team sheet following Declan Rice, and he is without question a player that West Ham are ultimately going to be counting on for their success. And I can't believe I'm going to say what I'm about to say, and I know you'll back me on this, but if Pablo Fornals gets hurt, the team is going to take a step backwards, and that is an ultimate compliment to him. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a, he's a must-have on the pitch, and we will, we will feel – uh, when his presence is not there, we will we will absolutely notice that. But that that actually, I know we didn't talk about it in the the, the pre meeting. But who would be your front runners for Hammer of the Year if you had three? Like obviously for now, I think we uh, both agree on that. At this moment, right now, with the way it's going, and you know, just the three games, Mikel Antonio is number one. He is clearly he's playing out of his his boots right now, and. I know the guy's 31, but he is aging beautifully. We may get two or three more good years out of him. I He looks to be in that good of shape. Um, I know that, you know, a 34-year-old striker scares a lot of people, but Mikel Antonio is a guy that he's just built different. He really is. So he's my number one. Following him would be Saeed Benarama. 
I think what Ben Rama's done this year, um, he's the second best player um, in form right now. And then I would go Pablo Fornals would be number three. That, those would be my top three right now. Do, do I think that's going to hold? No, this is just after three games. But that's where I sit after three games right now. Cresswell would be up in that top four or five, um, the way that he's played. And a guy that I'm going to put in there that I don't think a lot of people may agree with, but Jared Bowen is scaring people on the wing. And I think that when you watch teams formation against us, when they try to play, they're trying to contain Bowen and make sure Bowen doesn't cause, which I believe is what's opening things up for Fornals and Benarama. Yeah. And um, I think the, the biggest thing is he's with Bowen. He's one of those underappreciated players, similar to Fornals. I think with Benarama, the way that he's been playing, especially him with Antonio so far this season, People realize the talent that Ben Rama is, you know. Uh, with Fornals, people are starting to know us, notice that more. And with Bowen, and I'll, I'll hold my hand up on that one. Even I sometimes underestimate Bowen. But when you really go back and watch the match, the work that he does on that right wing and the, the amount of players he pulls in his direction because they know he's a dangerous threat. If he angles the right way into the box, he'll absolutely bag a goal. So he's always dragging the, the wing back or the, the, the fullback and a center back converging. And that's opening up space in the middle for Ben Rama, for Antonio. It's, it's not so much the work he does on the ball. It, a lot of the times the work he does off the ball. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you, man. I think, I think Bowen would be a, a dark horse for hammer of the year. And I think that, uh, um, if he continues to play the way that he has, even if he doesn't bag a bunch of goals, uh, I think he'd, he'd, he's, and he will. He definitely will score. Um, but I'd say he's, he'd be a front runner as well. Oh, and also, Antonio's only 31. So we've got some years on him. I'd say uh, by the time he hits that 34 mark, his hamstrings will basically be red vines. So, yeah, it'd be <laughs> nice if, uh, if uh, he can maintain the physique that he has right now because, man, he is something special. Yeah, I, I well, Mikel Antonio from right back to starting center forward and leading the Premier League in goals. Who would have thunk it in his time <laughs> at West Ham United? It's just absolutely, it's that guy is going to have one hell of an autobiography that he's going to write, and I will definitely be the one that, that uh, purchases it. Um, talking about that attacking four that West Ham can throw out there and how dangerous they've been playing. You have Saeed Benarama, Pablo Fornells, Jared Bowen, and of course, Mikel Antonio up front. Um, obviously the transfer window just closed West Ham United, I think had one of their best transfer windows, uh, since the, since the time of, you know, Slavin Bilic when he brought in Dimitri Payet amongst others. Um, this one seems to be a more solid one and it seems to be very, very good of what he's been able to accomplish in the transfer window. But there was one notable name missing that I think a lot of people expected to get done at least on a loan deal again, but it didn't. And that is Jesse Lingard. And, you know, you and I are part of the Fresno Irons here in Fresno, California. And we have a text message chain just like anybody else does that's of any group. And we obviously talk West Ham on it 24-7. And it came interesting this week when we talked about the story broke that West Ham United are going to revisit the Jesse Lingard situation in January. And then to follow that story, to give more credence to it, Jesse Lingard rejected his newest contract offer from Manchester United. So Jesse Lingard looks like he has finally made a decision, although it'd be a little too late to get to West Ham now, but it looks like the groundwork is being laid now for him to create a path back to East London in January. So when you look at this situation, this is the question I'm going to ask you. 
Um, number one, the first one is, do you think Jesse Lingard needs to be wearing claret and blue? And does he need to commit his long-term future to the club? And then here's the second question. And this is the one I'm most interested in. Who do you drop if Jesse Lingard comes? Because if he comes, he's going to expect to play. That means one of those four people in the attacking front has to be dropped. And who is that, Liam? So I think, yeah, I, I would like to see Jesse to return in Clareton Blue. And there's a multitude of reasons, right? Because I think he performed incredibly well. He's a known qual- uh, quality uh, uh, at West Ham. We know how he slots in uh, to that starting 11, and we know how dangerous he can be. Now, when we look at the tail end of last season, he did sort of peter out. His goal production uh, was much better at the start of his loan than it was towards the end, but that's not to say that he wasn't still impactful, that he you know, wasn't able to still influence games, draw defenders, create space for other players. Um, so you know, I think that Lingard would be well-served to come back to West Ham. Um, you know, A little bit of uh, extra fuel to the fire for this, uh, it has been rumored that part of the reason he didn't return was because he did want to stay at Manchester because uh, his baby mama and his daughter are there. So he wanted to be able to stay closer to family. I totally understand that. Manchester United's his boyhood club. Now Cristiano Ronaldo's there. But yeah, he did reject that um, contract. Rumors are because Ole obviously told him, oh yeah, you know, you'll be able to battle your way back onto the team. But now he's like fourth position. You know what I mean? Like he's lucky if he even makes the bench at this point. So, yeah, I could definitely see him wanting to take that chance. Um, I do worry that if not coming to East London, that you could see the likes of, like, Leicester come in real heavy for him. Uh, and I do think he would actually slot in really well with that Leicester starting 11. Uh, and I would I would definitely not want to battle between him and Jamie Vardy <laughs> on the attack, even though typically we have Leicester's number, knock on wood. But, I mean, we'll kind of see how that plays out. And it's hard to say, man, for right now, I don't know if I could drop anybody. I mean, I know what Jesse Lingard brings to the table. And I think on the text thread uh, a little bit ago, I had said it would probably be for Bowen. But having gone back and rewatched those games, man, I like I said before, the, the work rate, what Bowen brings to the table on that right wing, um, I don't know if I'd change that. I, and you and I are, you know, big fans of not changing a winning team. Uh, and yeah, we only got the draw against Palace, but... For right now, I actually like Lingard coming in off the bench and giving him, you know, 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, something like that, especially if you need to rest uh, Antonio and you can throw Bowen up top and you can bring Lingard in at that point on that right-hand side, you know, create a little bit more uh, overlap. Uh, It's an embarrassment of riches to have if he comes, but if he doesn't, uh, you know, I I still think that this team will be successful. But I'm interested to see what you think, because I don't know if your mind has changed since the exchange we had uh, through the text messaging. Uh, First and foremost, Jesse Lingard needs to commit his future to West Ham United. He needs to be wearing a claret and blue. Um, David Moyes, like David Moyes has done multiple times for West Ham United, just like he did for Marco Anatovic, he can resurrect somebody's career and bring them back from the depths, if you will. Jesse Lingard never really tapered off. The problem was, um, you know, had some issues happen, fell out of favor on the side. And I don't think, I think once you fall out of favor at a side like Manchester United, they write you out of their plans, regardless of what they say. And, you know, I always say this, actions speak louder than words. No matter what Ole Gunnar Sundersard says, whatever the fuck his name is, no matter what Ole says, 
the actions that Manchester United have made have shown me that they are not interested in Jesse Lingard in the long term. It doesn't matter how many times you tell Jesse, oh, you can fight for your place. The reality is you are making moves right now for him not to be a part of Manchester United in the future. And with an aging player like that, he needs to play. He doesn't have very many good years left. So if he wants to play for uh, for a quality side and come in and be impactful, it needs to be West Ham United. Now, I will say this. I don't drop anybody for him. I think in our attacking four, outside of Mikel Antonio, Jared Bowen is the most important player. And so Bowen absolutely is the one that's not dropping. And I, I challenge anybody to watch him, and you've mentioned it multiple times, Jared Bowen commands more attention from the back line of teams we face than Fornals does and Benarama. Now, we have such a dangerous attacking four, I think what teams are doing is they're going, well, if we get beat, we're just not going to get beat by Bowen. Because Bowen is the jewel of a lot of teams' eyes, and I think there's going to be some big clubs going to come in and try to trigger his buyout clause, and I think West Ham United are going to have to pay the man if they want to keep him in a Claret and Blue shirt. So Bowen, to me, is a non-negotiable. If I brought back Jesse Lingard, the first person I'm taking out, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is Saeed Benarama. Um, I think Saeed is an incredible player, but I think Jesse right now is better. And I think when Jesse was on the pitch, you know, um, they were pretty dangerous with Fornals, Antonio, Lingard, and Bowen. Those four were really, really dangerous. And so I, that's the guy I drop. Is Jesse Lingard need to come right into his place? Nobody will. If he, come, if he comes into West Ham United, David Moyes is going to play him. It's without question that's going to happen. And that's where my thought process is. I would rather see David Moyes pass on Jesse Lingard. It's like, it's like this. You waited around for the ex-girlfriend and you, you know she made a mistake by leaving you. And she said, I made a mistake. And then you go to dinner with her. You meet her for a drink. And she goes, look, I want to take it slow. And you're like, nope, you're either all in or you're not. Jesse, you got to be all in or you're not. Um, if you're going to be part of West Ham United, you need to be all in. This whole thing like, well, I don't know, but I really like you, but I need some more time to think. Well, you've had plenty of time to think. You even went back to your ex and you still got treated the same and you still want to think. So to me, there's no more waiting game anymore. If Jesse Lingard does not come in January, I want David Moyes to wash his hands of it and be done with it because I would rather see the chemistry build with these four young attackers that we have, um, even though Antonio's 31. He's not technically that young. But those three other guys are very young and talented. And let's let that chemistry grow and let's keep pushing that envelope because that's the future of West Ham United and that's what I want to see. Agreed. Yeah, there's not there's not really a question right now. I, I, I think there's a lot of players out there that are great players, but I don't know if any of them disrupt that starting eleven. I mean, we had I think we had talked about last week where probably Kurt Zuma for Craig Dawson's the only shoe in. Like that was the one position that was like, Yeah, if we get a top level center back, that's the one that's getting replaced. But it, I mean, it's not like he's gonna come in for Ogbana and we're gonna keep Dawson and, and Zuma, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. To me, the Jesse Lingard thing, I, after January, I'm done. If he doesn't come, and if he does come, he needs to sign a contract, he needs to commit his future to him, give him a three-year deal. 
I believe he's 29 or 30. He might even be 31. Uh, I think he's 29. I think yeah, he's 29. He he's, yeah, he's 29. So, you know, he needs to come and sign a three or four year deal. You know, if he has aspirations to play to bigger club, you know, say, hey, look, you know, your buyout clause is going to be 55 million. Give us a nice little profit for him where we can go get a player that's nice if somebody comes in on him. Um, because ultimately, I don't know if he wants to end his career in London. He may not. Um, but the reality is, if you're going to come, you know, you're signing a contract, you're committing your future to us, and then we are going to be in control of what we do with you. You no longer have that control because I think we've earned that. We put your name back in the lights. Um, we got your name back out there. We got people excited to watch you again because of what we did for your career, not what you did for it. And that's just kind of where I stand on it. Um, moving on to, to another question we have to ask because we are t- tinkering with the starting 11 when you're talking about Lingard coming back in. But with our current squad, there is questions starting to come up. Lucas Fabianski, um, the Polak, who I firmly believe, had he been alive in 1941, World War II never starts because Warsaw would have been protected by the giant hands of the great Polak, Lucas Fabianski. But we did bring in a very young, talented goalkeeper who last year was at Fulham. And, you know, we saw him make a lot of saves for Fulham, especially against us. We know what he's capable of. He's a very talented goalkeeper. That's Alfonso Areola. Um, there are rumors surfacing now that David Moyes has the plan to make a change, and it's going to come really fast. Um, it's supposed to come within the next month or so um, to switch over to Areola. I'm going to ask you this question. How do you feel about that move? Do you think it's time to make that move, or do you think Lucas Fabianski is getting a raw into the deal here? Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, I don't think that Fabianski has done anything like crazy outlandish as in terms of, you know, terrible mistakes. If anything, I think a lot of the mistakes uh, that led to those five goals in three games were defensive mistakes because a lot of those shots were at close range. So this wasn't like they took a shot from distance and he bumbled the ball or God forbid, like Roberto, he punched the ball into our own net. I mean, we're we're talking about a, a goalkeeper who has been, you know, by and large, fantastic for this team since he since he came on a couple of years back. Um, I think this more has to do with just maybe Fabianski is starting to show his age a little bit, and you know, for if you're going to have a goalkeeper of Alphonse Areola's quality, you have to play him. Like it's this isn't Darren Randolph. This isn't somebody you're bringing in just as a backup. This is somebody that you're bringing in to challenge for that starting position. And I think you you do need to give him the, the those opportunities. And especially in a game coming up against Southampton, I think that's a good chance, right? That's not a game where you need, you know, what you would typically consider your number one. So you can give him that opportunity to see how he performs. Um, you know, maybe that is a little bit harsh on Fabianski because like really he shouldn't lose his starting position just so Moyes can tinker. But, I mean, ultimately, that's how we find out who our starting 11 is, is you have to try with different players and really see what works and what doesn't work. I mean, look at when Moyes tinkered in, uh, against Villa and he threw Fredericks on, and he basically was like, Fredericks, you're gonna, you and Sofal are going to put Jack Grealish in your back pocket. And, they've, and they did. So I think you, sometimes you need to tinker. You need to try different things. And we've seen what Areola can do. There's a reason that he's uh, comes to our club with such accreditation, and we need to uh, we need to see that performance. You know, I mean, obviously he's usually in green or orange or yellow, but you know, in the claret and blue. Uh, what about for you, man? What do you think? 
you know, I, I'm going to be 100% honest that, you know, I look at the loan deal that we have with Alfonso Areola and there's an option to buy. I personally believe that's already a foregone conclusion. I think they're going to buy him no matter what. And I think if that's what your ultimate plan is, you got to find out what you have. You got to make sure that it is. I honestly thought Areola would be the cup goalkeeper, the Europe goalkeeper. That's what I thought their plan was and let Lucas handle the Premier League. But I think what the reality of the situation is, I think Areola, they want to be the Premier League keeper and they're going to give Fabianski you know, the cup games and the Europe games. Now, why they're doing that, I don't know, but I agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to find out what you have um, with Alfonso Areola because Alfonso Areola really wowed a lot of people last year at Fulham. He was a very good goalkeeper for them. Now, look, Fulham was in absolute shambles. Um, and they, I think they conceded the second most goals last year. But the reality of the situation is they would have conceded a lot more if it wasn't for Areola. And I want to say against us, and I I tried to hook this up beforehand, but I'm going to be honest with you, I ended up uh, faltering on that. I'm almost positive in one of the games against us, he had six or seven saves against us. Without a doubt. Um, And so it's kind of one of those situations where – this kid is very good. He's highly, highly rated. He comes from a, a team in France that is in the Champions League every year, and they're in the quarterfinals every year. They're final. They're they're a top eight club in the world every year, if not higher. So, if a guy like that is at that club and they haven't sold him yet, even though they gave us the option to buy, it's very clear that the guy has some talent. So, I think you got to find out what you have there. I think Lucas Fabianski is getting the raw end of the deal. I love Fabianski. I think he's brilliant. I think most of the goals that he's given up are not on him. You know, just being 100% honest with you. Um, the Gallagher goal, the second one, is the only one that I I, wish, I feel like he should have been able to save. But again, Craig Dawson comes in and stabs and creates that yard of space. And look, that I mean, Gallagher had a rocket on his foot when he hit that thing. That's tough. That's a really quick reaction from that close range. So, you know, we can nitpick that all day, but really the kid is talented. We have to see what he's worth because look, West Ham more than any team in the quote unquote top of the prim, you know, if we call ourselves a top 10 side, I think which is fair for us to say a top 10 side, I don't think that's getting crazy, but we're a top 10 side in the prim. We have had more bad buys, more bad buys um, that have not worked out, i.e. Felipe Anderson, than, you know, the guy who went to Ajax, whose name I, I made myself. Or, yeah, Hilaire, um, Gokhan Torre, like all these players that came in, you know, Faguli, that were supposed to be great players. Emmanuel Emenike, even though he was a loan option, like we just haven't had guys work out. So, if you have a loan option to buy, you better find out what you're getting, even though I think West Ham are going to do this deal no matter what. Yeah, I think so as well. And I mean, let's be fair. Like right now, we we do have kind of an, uh, an overflow of goalkeepers, but there's really only two that are the top contenders, and it's Fabianski and Ariola. I mean, uh, for Darren Randolph, I mean, he's, he, he was brought in as or brought back as backup last season. Uh, David Martin is pretty much a goalkeeping coach. Like he's, I don't even think they're really even looking at him to play any, um, 
to even see the bench in any matches this season. And like, let's be honest, with Fabianski, there were a couple spells in the last two seasons where he's had injuries. And typically it is that groin injury that he keeps uh, recurring when he goes to take a long kick. So yeah, for me, I would probably save him more for the cup games because he has the experience. He has the CV to be able to take care of that. And then with Areola, we know what he can do in the league uh, matches. So um, I would rather do it sooner rather than later, but I'm not David Moyes and you know I, I trust the process. So Moyes will put him in. He'll make that change when it makes the most sense. I, I'm telling you, I think it's coming really quick. Um, I don't think it'll be this weekend against Southampton, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's the following weekend against Manchester United, which would be a very interesting move going into that massive of a game, which is the team I picked to win the league. Um, last bit of news before we get into our game preview here. Declan Rice, the all, I almost said all-American boy, the all-England boy, um, looks like, story came out you were telling me about, that he is open to committing his long-term future to West Ham United. So first, do you believe it? And then second, is that a smart move for Declan Rice? I mean, I don't know if I believe anything anymore when it comes to Declan Rice because it was just like a week or so ago, Matt Law had reported that Declan was unhappy with the 100 million pound evaluation that we had uh, and that it was deterring other clubs from even trying to submit offers and that Declan was basically going to wait out his contract with West Ham, which I think goes until like 2024. So, I mean, that's a decent length of time. That's a whole nother three years. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, based on players that were brought in for this transfer window, uh, that Declan had changed his tune, right? Where now he's saying, oh, well, you had promised me you were going to build a team around me. You hadn't brought in any players. Up, you know, last day of the, the transfer window. Now we have all these players in. Cool, now I feel like you are moving this club in the right direction to be able to challenge for cups, uh, you know, uh, top placement in the league to be competitive against these, these big name teams. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of see it and I kind of don't because I don't know if it's just me imagining things, but when like when there's goal celebrations, right. Or like after the match, he doesn't quite look like the same Declan. And I don't know if he just matured a lot from last season and then through the euros and then, into this season where maybe he's just not as like happy go lucky goofy as he might have been in the past or maybe he was like really bummed that Lingard didn't come on and stay cuz maybe cuz I felt like they had a really good connection and uh maybe he was kind of hoping for that and it didn't it just didn't play out um or maybe it's it is a lot of pressure i mean uh it, it's hard to get into the mind of a football player especially one that's as young as Declan Rice uh, but after that match that they just had, um, I saw video footage of him going over to the stands and giving his shirt away to a West Ham fan that was in the stands that, you know, that had a shirt was like, you know, uh, I love you, Declan Rice, like, please give me your shirt, something like that. And he goes up, hands to get this shirt and like he's kind of chatting and there's a guy like two people down that's holding a Chelsea shirt and trying to get Declan to sign it. And Declan kind of looks at him like. <laughs> and like walks away, but only waves to like the West Ham fans that were in the stands. So, you know, I think that uh, the Chelsea ship has sailed. I think if Declan does leave, um, it's going to be Man United or Man City. I don't think he goes to Chelsea. He definitely doesn't go to Spurs. Arsenal would be a joke. I mean, he's not going to take a step back from West Ham to go sign for Arsenal. How good um, does that feel to say, by the way? Oh, How good I, does that feel? Dude, I fucking love it. I mean, we here at... In the five five nine FC, we do have a, a fun rivalry with our with our Arsenal friends that 
never want to show up for any of the matches. But regardless, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a friendly rivalry. We're not trying to shit on anybody, <clears throat> but uh, it is. It is interesting to me that you can now look at certain teams and go, yeah, Declan wouldn't, Declan wouldn't go, he wouldn't play for you. Like, if he's not going to play for West Ham, he's definitely not going to play for you. But it'll be interesting, man. I'm, I'm nervous because we'll, we'll see if somebody does, like a Manchester City for Grealish, if they do come in and try to meet that high price tag just because they want him that bad. What are your thoughts, though? Do you think he does jump ship after this year or do you think he kind of sticks it out? Uh, I, I, I think in, in no way, shape or form, I trying to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be real here. I think it's 60, 40, he leaves to stay. Um, I think we have a better chance than people think to keep him, but I think it's more likely that he leaves. Um, there's a couple things that have to happen for him to stay. Uh, before I get into that, I do want to say, I think Declan is smart to talk about committing his future to West Ham United, because I think that's his play to see how serious, West Ham's board is to what they want to accomplish. And, and that's where his heart should be. Um, the reality of the situation is Declan Rice wants to win trophies and you, and you have to put yourself in position to do that. And I will never fault a player for wanting to be the best in the world, which is, I think Declan's ultimate goal. Um, after everything that went down at Chelsea with him, I think, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, the size of Mount Everest on his back that he wants to prove every time he goes out um, so would he have gone back to Chelsea? Yeah, maybe. Um, would he have gone to Man United? Likely. Man City? Likely. Um, you know, he's a top player in the world and there's going to be the top clubs are going to come in on him, um, because he's England's version of Conte. You know, that's, that's what he is. So when you kind of look at this situation, he's a homegrown talent that you know definitely fulfills that quota because you have to have a, enough homegrown guys and he's arguably one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, I think he absolutely should have the conversation with West Ham about him committing his future, but I think he should play everything pretty close to the chest. And that gets me into what I'm about to say. Declan Rice only stays at West Ham United if we're in the Champions League. If we can offer him Champions League football, he has no excuse to leave. None. And I think that's what he wants. He wants West Ham on the level competing for top four every year. And when we went into the London Stadium, what's happening right now with West Ham United is what we were promised when we first got there. But it hasn't been able to happen. So did the board make good on their promise? Maybe, but it was definitely way too late. Okay, so it's happening now. Uh, what they said, you know, where it's world class football with world class players um, in a world class uh, stadium, kind of. You know, um, <laughs> it's slowly but surely getting better. But I, I think when you're talking about Declan Rice, until he signs that big deal to stay at West Ham United that's six years long. I'm not going to buy it. There's a reason I bought a, a Declan Rice kit this year. I bought it because I do believe this is his last season with West Ham. And I wanted to have a kit um, with his name on it that he actually wore on the pitch and not just make one after he left. You know, so when I look at the situation, man, I, I think Declan, I think we better enjoy every moment we have with him because I think it's more likely than not that he will be gone. But I think there's a better chance than people realize that if we accomplish what this team is capable of, um, he will stay. Because uh, look at it. 
West Ham are solid on all three levels. You know, with the addition of Kurt Zuma, on paper, that that center back pairing now looks like it's a lot stronger. Our wing backs with Cresswell and Sioux Fall have been very good. Goalie situation we improved, and it could be improving if changes may are made or not made. Who knows? But nonetheless, there's competition there now. Um, in the midfield, arguably the best partnership in the prem between Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. It's, I mean, I'm not saying it is, but it's probably more likely than not. Then we talk about those attacking four. We've mentioned it multiple times. They're not the best, but they're top five. They are a top yeah. five attacking four in the prem. So West Ham from, t- from back to front are a very solid team. They have a team that should finish no lower than sixth in the prem. That's how good, that's what David Moyes has built. And if a couple of the ball bounces our way a couple of times and we don't shit the bed or have a banana peel against Newcastle, which we've already proven we haven't, and <laughs> that game against Crystal Palace, we lose that game two years ago. Yeah, We we won it now. And so because we won that game, and we're looking, uh, not win that game, uh, we drew with it. Because we yeah. drew that game, that's a point that we normally wouldn't have. So normally we'd have six points. Now we have a point more. So if we do that a few more times, you're talking about five, six more points. If we had that last year, we are in fourth. Yep. And so that's where I kind of sit with West Ham United. You want to keep a player like Declan Rice? Well, Declan needs to hold the standard so West Ham meet it because Declan has a high standard, and that's the way I look at it. I'm not going to fault the player if he leaves. I don't want him to leave. I think it's more likely that he does. But if West Ham achieve what they're capable of, which is top four, they can be fourth. Declan, I think, has no reason to leave. See, and I just, I don't think Declan would leave this year because Mark Noble would beat the shit out of him. So I think, like, (laughs) he has to wait for Mark to retire and then he can talk about leaving. Um, But I'll be honest, man, there is a part of me that just, I don't want him to go to Man U. Like, of all the teams, I don't know. Like, I don't want him to go to Chelsea either, of course. But, like, Man U, man, I feel like they always poach our top talent. And I'm just fucking tired of it. Like, I just want, when we have a really good player like that, I just want them to help take our club higher. Like, that's that's what I ultimately want to see. And I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think I think top four is totally feasible. Like, I would be, I would be surprised if we drop lower than sixth this whole season. Like, I, I legitimately feel like this team, especially with the reinforcements that we've made, um, even with the, the cup games and Europa League, I still think that we can, we can battle for those top slots. But uh, it is instrumental to have a, a player of the quality of Declan Rice present on the pitch for majority of those games. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one place I know he's not going to go is Tottenham, and I'm very happy to say that. <laughs> uh, speaking of Tottenham, you... I had a little uh, debate on Twitter with a Tottenham fan about the greatest England player of all time. And uh, in our pre-production meeting, uh, we kind of had some thoughts on it. I'll I'll let you um, have this moment. Well, it was kind of weird, man. Like I, like I saw the tweet because somebody else had commented on it. So it popped up into my feed, but it was a, it was a Spurs fan. And you know, I'm, he was being facetious, right? Where he's like, Harry Kane is the greatest England footballer, bar none, no debate. Right. And so people, of course, are debating him, a lot of them being West Ham fans, uh, basically saying, like, have you ever heard of Bobby Moore? <laughs> like, you know, and, and the guy, the guy is saying, like, well, yeah, if you only value cups and we're like, no, you value talent and talent helps get you cups. And that was basically the argument that I was making. It was like, yeah, I'm not denying that Harry Kane's not talented. Um, would I want him at West Ham? No, 
I don't particularly like him. I don't like him as a player. I don't like the little um, that little stunt that he pulls when people go up for a header and instead of jumping, he goes low. So that way they fall over his back. He did it to Cresswell and he's done it to a slew of other players and he needs to get carded for it. Um, you know, and, and I think the hallmark of a great player, right? When you want to argue somebody's the greatest player of all, of, of all time in a particular position is somebody that comes through in the big games for club and for country, right? Spurs have, have not won any trophies while, while Harry Kane has been there. And, uh, England has, has not won any trophies. Like they didn't win the Euros. They got to the final, which is great. But I think that is the sum of the parts. I don't think that is Harry Kane that took them there. I mean, if anything, Raheem Sterling had more of more of an impact as a forward on that on the pitch. So you know that that basically is my argument. Is like, yeah, I think you do need to have cups uh, or some sort of silverware to to kind of validate uh, what what you have done in that position. And that's not to say that there aren't a ton of players that have won cups that are not even in the conversation of the greatest. But if you're going to try to posit that somebody is the greatest, you better have some fucking silverware to back it up. I think you said it well. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't, I don't argue with Tottenham fans. I mean, excuse <laughs> me, Tottenham fans because of the ridiculous nature of the statement that Harry Kane is the greatest English player of all time. Um, there's three that were West Ham, Claret and blue that you, I would put in front of him. Yep. So uh, that, that in of itself moving on, uh, because I don't <laughs> want to deal with that bullshit. Um, let's go into, it's now time to talk about our game preview. Obviously West Ham back in action this Saturday at 7 a.m. out here on the left coast, 10 a.m. over there on the east coast um, here in America. We play Southampton, um, the Danny Inglis Southampton. Um, but don't worry, Danny Ings, we'll have to deal with him. He's at Aston Villa now. He normally gets a customary goal like Callum Wilson does against West Ham United. So when we kind of look at the situation, um, West Ham United have an interesting situation because a lot of those signings will be available as part of the starting 11. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you right now, um, who is your starting 11 for this game against Southampton? I mean, I know I was saying it earlier that I would, if I was going to swap out Fabianski for Areola, this would probably be the game to do it. Um, but I'm, you know, I want to give Fabianski the benefit of the doubt. You know, I really think that having a stronger back line with Kurt Zuma in there uh, will eliminate some of the the additional goal threat. And I think if we can hold the team like Southampton goalless, like keep that clean sheet, uh, it'll show that Fabianski is still the right guy uh, to put the be- between the sticks. So I pretty much keep everybody the same. So it's Fabianski, uh, Sufal, uh, I've replaced Dawson with Zuma, and then you keep Ogbonic, Cresswell, uh, so, uh, so check and rice in midfield, Bowen, uh, Ben Rama and for in the mid and then, uh, or in the attacking mids. And then you've got Antonio up top. How about for you? Any changes? Absolutely not. Um, the, the team, yes. Um, the two goals given up were one of them was just a brilliant play by Gallagher. Another one was a defensive mistake. I don't chalk that up to any fault of, you know, a starting lineup. If I do make a change, it is Kurt Zuma for um Craig Dawson that's the one change that I could see um happening um you know I'll go ahead and say it I think Kurt Zuma starts over Craig Dawson I think that one will be the one change that I'm going to go with but everything else I think stays the same I do think we'll see Velasic and Crawl will both get on the pitch um I'm I'm a firm believer especially if we have a lead I think Crawl's going to get on by the 70th minute to help ensure that um lead 
but that's the only thing that I can really see. Um, so now it's the fun part of this thing here. Um, give me your final and who are your goal scores? Uh, so my final, I think we, I think we completely hammer them four nil. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of this four goal, uh, attack that, that we could, that we can put forth. And I would love to see Bowen get on the score sheet. So I actually say all four of them get on there. Uh, and I think that each of them assists one of the other goals. So each of the four get a goal and an assist, uh, uh, in this match. Sorry, Declan, I'd love to see you. Hammer one in, or even Kurt Zuma, or uh, so uh, so check off of a off of a set piece. But I think we're gonna completely devour them on the counterattack, uh, similar to what we saw against uh, Newcastle and against Leicester. Uh, man of the match for me, uh, fuck it, let's go with Kurt Zuma. Let's have him. Let's have him have that debut, and it's a hell of a debut. So let's 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 see uh, Kurt Zuma take that man of the match. What about for you, man? Oh man, I I I want to live in the world you live in. I really do. <laughs> um, I think this is going to be a two nil victory for West Ham United. Very workmanlike. I think they get an early goal in the game. They'll go through a couple of scares. Southampton will make a few plays. West Ham will tighten down, and then I think about the 65th to 70th minute, West Ham will get that all important second goal, put that game away, collect all three points in Southampton, and continue their stay in the top four of the table. And if things go our way, maybe we could back be back in first. Uh, but that, that's what I think. I think it's going to be a nice workmanlike performance. My two goal scorers in this game, I think Thomas Suchek is going to get on the score sheet again from a set piece, and I think we get an open goal from Mikel Antonio because he is is blistering on that um, counterattack. That's how I see this game playing out. My man of the match, though, is going to be Saeed Benarama. I think Saeed Benarama is going to cause a lot of problems. Um, I really like Jared Bowen. I don't think this game fits him well enough for him to get on the score sheet. I think where Southampton are kind of strong is they do have speed on the wings, and I think I, I don't see Jared Bowen running around too many guys, but I could be wrong if it's not – if it's not uh, Saeed Benarama, it will be Jared Bowen as man of the match. I will say that. I think Jared Bowen, I could see him totally assisting on both goals. I really do. Um, so that that's how I see this game kind of playing out uh, for West Ham United. Um, now we're going to move into everybody's favorite part of the show. It is time for the yellow and red cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. So normally I would give it to Spurs fans in general, but I, I, I don't want to shit on all Spurs fans. But just the Kane fans, because that even encompasses a lot of like West Ham fans that are also really big England uh, fans. But I think sometimes people give Harry Kane a pass, and you know, as part of my rant earlier, like I said, I just don't, I don't think he comes through for for the big games. I think people that chalk him up to being a better player than he is because he has good goal production, and I won't. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to slander him on that. I think that he is a, a good striker. He's he's fairly prolific. Um, but yeah, I just don't think he's the the messiah that that a lot of people haven't cracked up to be. So I'm gonna yellow card him so they can caution, calm your tits, calm your tits. Uh, you know, let's wait until we get into the actual World Cup, and then who knows? Maybe England lifts the first, the World Cup again for the first time since 1966. But I tell you what, they're not gonna do it without a little bit of hammers in the lineup. <laughs> uh, that's how you win a World Cup. Is remember West Ham United have a World Cup trophy. Let's not forget that. This is true. Um, my yellow card goes to FIFA. I'm sick and tired of the international break. I know that you need it, but I am a 
I am a club over country guy. No offense to the United States. I love you guys, but if you ever play West Ham, it's West Ham till I die. Um, I am, I am club over country. I hate the international break. I know it's necessary. I know it can't be changed, but I'm going to bitch about it because I'm an American and we bitch about everything. So therefore, um, that is my yellow card. FIFA, stop fucking with my Premier League weekends. I hate it. I fucking love getting up, hanging out with the Fresno Irons family at Full Circle Brewing Company and cheering on the Mighty Irons. All right, hit me with your red card, Liam. My red card goes to the Yarmo haters, and this is myself included because I lovingly like to refer to that Ukrainian bastard as a lamppost. Uh, but, man, he after that injury, there was a lot of people that were, like, celebrating it, like West Ham fans that were celebrating that injury. And I was sitting there going, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, why would you ever wish ill will or injury on a West Ham player? Like, one, we need the fucking depth. And two, it's one of our own, like, you can't disrespect them like that. Like, you can be critical of their performances. I mean, and I'm definitely critical of the times when Yarmo, you know, gets it on his favorite left foot and then skies it over the bar when we fucking needed that goal to beat Palace. But regardless, it's still one of our own. So you can be critical of them, but don't ever wish ill will. What about you, bud? Well, my red card... um, I'm going to be honest with you. It goes to you, Liam Bright. I'm giving you my Liam. I lied to you. I lied to you in our pre-production <laughs> meeting. I gave it to you. What are you doing arguing with a fucking Spurs fan? What are you doing? Do not waste your breath. These people, they have obviously been dropped on their head as children. They have made <laughs> poor decisions. These are the people that put mayonnaise on their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We don't deal with Tottenham fans. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you this, Liam? Why are you wasting precious moments, precious, indomitable moments that you can spend with your children and you're arguing with Tottenham fans? Liam, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should look yourself in the mirror and you should tell yourself this line. I am better than this. And God darn it, people like me. That's what you need to be doing. <laughs> or right? if I'm uh, if I'm Colin from Ted Lasso, like I am an important and meaningful man or whatever his little <laughs> yeah. mantra is. So, yeah. yeah no, I, to be to my credit, at least I did it while I was at work. So I was wa- wasting pressable, pre- precious work hours as opposed to spending time with my kids. Because if I'm at home, f- uh, for fuck's sake, I'm not arguing with anybody. I mean, other than you, because I'm at home right now. <laughs> Right well, as always, we say thank you so much for listening to American Hammers Red O. Thank you to Tim and Lee for allowing us this platform here on the American Hammers Network in order to do this show for all nine of you that listen to us. Again, if you ever want to get involved in the show, feel free to hit us on Twitter at, at A-H-R-W-H-O. That's the American Hammers Radio uh, official Twitter run by the one and only Liam Bright. And if you want to get in touch with myself, you can hit social media at Fresno Irons on either Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter um, to get in touch with us. And remember, if you ever find yourself in Fresno, California on a West Ham weekend and you're like, gee, I'd love to watch this game. Make sure you come hang out with us. Your first beer will be on us. Um, West Ham United this weekend, Southampton. Look to keep the good times rolling. Get another three points as we head down to the South Coast um, and take on the Saints. Um, So for Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come come on, on, you irons. irons.